0: Hello, this is Deacon Bob. Welcome to the last of our midweek Lenten studies. As we begin looking forward to the events of Palm Sunday and then Holy Week, we conclude by looking back at the ultimate power play between the Jewish leaders, the Roman governor Pontius Pilate, and Jesus, as we observe from Matthew 27 the hands of self-preservation.
1: He stood before the court on trial instead of us. He made its power to hurt, condemned to face the cross.
0: Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Let us begin by going ahead several weeks after the events related in our sermon text. Several weeks after Good Friday, after Jesus' death and resurrection, after his ascension into heaven, and after Pentecost, the Apostle Peter came into the temple in Jerusalem and preached a sermon to the crowd. In his sermon, Peter said these words, The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered and denied in the presence of Pilate, when he had decided to release him. That's from Acts 3.13. It was not the main theme or even a major point in Peter's sermon that day. But these words make us stop and take notice. Peter and John were on their way to the temple to pray when they were stopped by a man who had been lame from birth. He was looking for money, but Peter gave him something much better. In the name of Jesus, he commanded the man to walk. And when the lame man got up to his feet, he did more than just walk. He could not stop running and jumping and praising God. All of this commotion got people's attention, and a crowd came together outside the temple in Solomon's colonnade. Peter addressed them, and as he spoke, it did not take long for him to start accusing them. He said, You are guilty of killing the one who made this miracle possible. You disowned Jesus. You abandoned Jesus. You handed Jesus over to Pilate to be crucified, though he had decided to let him go. Now, Were you ever aware of that? Are you surprised, even shocked, that Peter would say something like that? You didn't hear wrong. Peter's testimony could not be clearer. Pilate had decided in his mind to release Jesus. If you are familiar with the events surrounding Jesus' passion, then you were well acquainted with Pontius Pilate. We will soon see that Pilate did many different things on Good Friday, But there is one thing he did not do. He failed to do the very thing he had decided to do. Instead of letting Jesus go, he let the enemies of Jesus have their way. And Pilate will be forever remembered as the man who sentenced the author of life to death. So what happened? What made Pilate change his mind? Where did he go wrong? And what can we learn from his tragic story so that we do not go down the same path? Now, we could psychoanalyze his actions from today until the second coming, but we would never be more than guessing about what Pilate was thinking. Only God knows what was in his heart. But we can read and review and learn from the Bible's spirit-inspired words. All four Gospels share details about the interaction between the king of the Jews and the governor of Judea, but only Matthew mentions something that Pilate did before he handed Jesus over to be crucified. To protect his position, to claim his personal innocence, Pilate washed his hands, his hands of self-preservation. What is so sad is that it did not have to end this way. In fact, Pilate had discovered a long list of reasons to release Jesus. When Pilate first met him, Jesus said nothing. The chief priests and elders were accusing him of anything and everything, but Jesus said nothing. He did not protest his own innocence. He did not plead for mercy. He did not say a single word in his own defense. And Pilate was amazed. Jesus did open up when the two men were alone, and the things he said made an even deeper impression on Pilate. My kingdom is not of this world. The reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. You would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. That's all from... John chapter 18-19. and 19. No one spoke to the Roman governor like that. Come to think of it, no normal person ever spoke like that. And Pilate was beginning to realize that this man was no ordinary human being. If Pilate found those statements a bit unsettling, imagine how he felt when he received that message from his wife. She could not wait for him to come home. She did not need anyone to interpret her dream because the meaning was clear. Do not get involved with that man. Do not have anything to do with that righteous man. And if he did, he would regret it. Pilate was no dummy. Pilate did not get to his lofty position by being naive or easy to manipulate he could see what the Jewish leaders were trying to do. He knew that they were jealous of what Jesus had become, and Pilate was convinced, and we know this because he said it more than once, that Jesus was no criminal. After weighing all the testimony, after examining all of the evidence, it should have been an open and shut case. Pilate should have set Jesus free on the merits and sent the Jewish leaders on back to their homes, but he did not. Pilate wanted to duck this political hot potato, so he tried to pass the buck. First, he told the chief priests to judge Jesus according to their own laws. That did not work because the remedy they sought could only be granted by Pilate himself. Next, he sent Jesus to Herod, hoping that a Jewish court would handle the case. That failed to work as well. Pilate was running out of options, at least any options that would allow him to protect the innocent and preserve his position at the same time. His last and best chance was a Passover custom to release a prisoner chosen by the people. To make their choice obvious, Pilate proposed two men, Jesus, and a notorious prisoner named Barabbas. Barabbas was a career criminal, one guilty of rebellion and murder. He was so bad that anyone else looked good in comparison. At least, that was what Pilate was hoping. But Pilate's plan backfired when the chief priest responded, If you release this man, you are not Caesar's friend. And when the choice was presented to the crowd, the chief priests and the elders persuaded the people to condemn Jesus by asking for the release of Barabbas. Pilate had to be stunned to hear the mob dismantle his foolproof plan. He could only muster up the words, What shall I do then with Jesus, who is called the Messiah? The answer must have chilled into the bone, as they all said, Let him be crucified. He tried to reason with them, but they were beyond rational thought. Crucify him! Crucify him! Crucify him! Pilate was responsible for keeping the peace, but his attempts to free Jesus had started a riot. He needed to do something. But which is it? Does he do what is right? For what he thinks is best for himself. In the end, Pilate chose himself over Jesus. He sentenced the world's only truly innocent man to die, while maintaining his own supposed innocence in the process. He took water and washed his hands in front of the crowd. I am innocent of this man's blood, he said. It is your responsibility. Pilate was the law of the land. Pilate was the only person who could authorize Jesus' execution. In spite of his claims to the contrary, Pilate was responsible, and history has held him responsible. Almost 2,000 years later, our creeds still confess that Jesus suffered and was crucified under Pontius Pilate. And no amount of water or ritual washings will ever make those guilty hands clean. It was bad enough that Pilate condemned an innocent man. What made his actions even worse was that he condemned the sinless Son of God. Now, Pilate was no Christian. He was a pagan. And his actions proved that protecting his power and authority was more important to him than anything else. In the final analysis, this unbeliever acted like an unbeliever. We should never be surprised by that. In fact, we should probably expect it. What is surprising and much more troubling is when people who know better, people who know Jesus, people who call themselves Christians, follow Pilate's example. In the safety of the sanctuary, surrounded by the saints, it is so easy to sing God's praises. But out in the world, it's quite a different story. When I'm with my co-workers or my classmates or my friends, not all of them are Christians, and some of them can be pretty outspoken. They are eager to question what I believe and to ridicule me for what I hold to be true. When you or I fall into such situations, we know that we should say something. But how often have we said nothing? Sure, after the opportunity has passed, when we have time to think about it, when we are feeling guilty about it, we might try to come up with excuses for our silence. It wasn't the right time. I didn't want to get into an argument. I don't want to lose my friends. I don't want to lose my job. On the last day, Pontius Pilate will have to answer for choosing himself over Jesus. But we need to remember that he did not believe in Jesus. I suppose you could say that that was his excuse. We are Christians. We claim to be followers of Jesus, so what is our excuse? We have no excuse. And when Jesus declares, Whoever denies me before others, I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven, that's Matthew 10. We have to shudder when we realize that those condemning words are aimed at us. Pilate did not do what he could have and should have done on Good Friday. But he was not the only person on the stone pavement who was in a position to take action. Jesus could have come to his own defense. Jesus could have called down legions of angels to destroy his enemies. Jesus possessed the divine power to do everything Pilate failed to do and more. But he chose not to use it. It is a good and right thing for Christians to praise our Savior God for everything he has done to save us. But let us refocus those praises just a bit. Let us remember everything Jesus did not do for himself, and everything he allowed others to do to him, all in order to save us. He allowed his enemies to arrest him. Praise God. He allowed the soldiers to mistreat and humiliate him. Praise God. He allowed a crooked court to convict him, and a weak judge to wash his hands of him. Praise God. He allowed himself to be numbered among the transgressors to fulfill prophecy and to pay for the world's sins. Praise God. Jesus allowed his own life to be taken from him so that we might live in his presence forever. Praise God. We have been talking about all of the things Pontius Pilate did not do. But there was one thing that Pilate did do on Good Friday, one positive declaration, a confession of sorts, if you will. When Jesus was crucified, Pilate had a notice fastened to the top of his cross that read, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. We do not know exactly what Pilate meant by that. Or if there was a part of Pilate that wanted to believe it, But none of that matters because we do believe it. We believe that Jesus is a king. We believe that Jesus is our king. Our king's rule extends all around the world. And yet his kingdom is not of this world. His rule is primarily spiritual. He has claimed us to be his own through the washing of rebirth. He rules in our hearts through the faith he created on the day of our baptism. And the gracious way Jesus loves us and leads us, moves us. As his humble, grateful subjects, we want to follow him. We eagerly seek opportunities to serve him, and as we pray for his kingdom to come and his will to be done on earth, we look forward to that day when we will reign with him in heaven. Amen.
1: The sentence must be passed The unknown prisoner killed The price is paid at last The law of God fulfilled He takes a place bl- His claim is wiped away Shall we be judged and tried In Christ our trial is done We live for He has died